Hey guys, this is Robert Malazzo from Murmur. Before you listen to this episode, a couple of things. Thing one, if you like the show, and I love bringing it to you, it's tons of fun for me. Our audience is awesome. We get great feedback. So here's an idea. Go to the iTunes store, leave us a review. I'm told by really smart people that it helps cut through the sort of signal and noise world we live in for the show. I love bringing this to you every week. So if you have a moment to leave us a review, that would be great. Murmur Radio on the iTunes store. Thank you so much. The other thing is Audible. Do you like listening to your favorite books and podcasts, magazines even, and TV shows? You can listen through audible.com. I love listening to it. So here's an idea. Go to freeaudibletrial.com backslash murmur. And because you listen to murmur, you'll get a free month of Audible. It's super cool. Again, freeaudibletrial.com backslash murmur get a free month of audible but you're going to keep subscribing it's a super cool service i have it i love listening to it in the car with the dog the dog loves audible i kid you not don't ask me how i know i know these things i know the dog freeaudibletrial.com backslash murmur check it out and thank you for listening to murmur and now quiet on the set quiet on the set okay everybody quiet on the set scene one take ten marker From the studio of WHUPLP Hillsboro, welcome to Murmur. My name is Robert Malazzo. Over the next hour together, we'll explore where culture meets craft. Today on Murmur, Larry Come Lately, creator, writer, senior black correspondent, and now podcaster, Larry Wilmore is with us. Welcome. Welcome to Murmur. Welcome back to Murmur. Robert Malazzo here with you every week, live on WHUPFM.org and Evergreen, forever interesting, <laughs> uh, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, don't answer that, uh, website is murmurradio.com, social handles at M-S-F Murmur That's Twitter That's Instagram Facebook Murmur Radio Backslash Something slashing Something slashing We also I am the founder Of the Modern School of Film ModernSchoolFilm.com We're going to do some live uh, Murmurs More on that soon Go to our website For undulating Updates Real time updates Plausibly real-time updates. 
subscribe to us on iTunes. Do subscribe. We love you. <laughs> I love doing the show every week. Live on WHUP. In your ear. Anytime. Anytime access. Welcome. Speaking of anytime access. Today on the show, one of our favorites, one of my favorites, Larry Wilmore. Larry is just, you know, super cool. I mean, let's just get get down to, to cases, Lebowski. He's just smart, uh, creative, thoughtful, innovative, thinks forward and backward in, in the moment simultaneously. We, I love the fact that he's here. And now he's doing podcasting. He has a show on the Ringer Network, Bill Simmons' network, now it's it's started already it's called black on the air and that is the doorstep to which we bring you podcasting is the topic it's one of my favorite topics <laughs> and one of my least favorite topics but we're going to keep doing it because we're going to get i'm going to get to the bottom of every part of of th- this rubrics i almost said rubrics cube i like that rubrics cube that's a that's a murmur title waiting to happen. I want to talk to Larry about it. Larry was the senior black correspondent on The Daily Show. And uh, you may have heard of uh, the correspondence, the White House correspondence dinner he did. You may have heard a little bit of that. That was Obama's last White House correspondence di- uh, dinner. And he's uh, a frequent guest of Bill Maher. I think actually. I think he's coming. Bill is going to be on Larry's podcast anyway. So there's a lot to talk to to Larry about. But one thing that's fascinating, and it just kind of flashed today, the thing about Murmur, we do it as a live show. I do it as a live show. I love the live show. I love the energy of the live show. I love the fear, the technical fear of the live show. But in reality, the evergreen nature of a podcast, I bank it as a podcast weekly. And podcasts run into this uh, fight. It's a it's a fight with time. We all are fighting time. Podcasts are not immune to this fight. And one of the things is, you know, keeping on top of information. And I want to talk to Larry about that because Larry, when I think of Larry's work, creative fiction, nonfiction, it is really stitched into the news and journal. It's a, it's sort of journalistic in its way and its DNA. And we to to go back to murmur murmur is done on we do it live on whup.org whupfm.org uh every week and on every friday and fridays used to be this sort of reservoir of nothingness especially you know in the summertime in august or january these kind of interstitial slow like there used to be a term slow news day I don't think that term, I haven't heard that term in, in you know, maybe uh, since the last election, <laughs> but be that as it may, it's become, you know, the day we do murmur, there is news and there is news today. And I'm always trying to split the difference and how the news inspires the topic and w- what podcasting runs into that terrestrial radio didn't, but, you know, most talk-based shows like murmur on a terrestrial level can be done on a daily level. So we do. I do this on a weekly level. So then I'm trying to corral everything that's happened in a week and stitch it in. So I'm trying to think ahead in terms of the subjects, the guests, the topics, and and really the, the buzzkill is the rhetorical nature of that 
surveying because I do want the shows and the ideas and the guests. And I try to choose guests whose output of information and craft will live, live longer and on and on and on. So that's a, I love that part of the challenge, but part of the reality is there's a sobriety in matching that length that podcasts do really well, you know, a topic that a podcast will can address that can withstand time and time changes. And that's really the prey I'm hunting in terms of guests and topics. I want to talk about topics that are evergreen and podcasts do that really well. What gives me the agita are the are the in the moment changes to time and to news and to topicality. And I want to talk to Larry about that because Larry's doing a podcast now. What Larry doing a podcast also brings up for me, and I'm an independent creator. Yes, I've been uh, privileged and uh, to do some really interesting work with some great people and people you may have heard of and, and otherwise. But the reality is I'm an independent producer and creator and I'm doing this on my own and I'm, you don't have, you, can, you can put your small violin away. The point is Larry is a is a celebrated creator in the sense of he's a celebrity. I hate that word. I always try to find a different route into it because it sounds so reductive. But he is a celebrity, someone who's known. He has a public resume. When he enters the space of podcasting, when uh, Bill Simmons, you know, when Bill Simmons finally did enter, he was a, a big name. Mark Marin, Mark, you know, I want to talk to to. I have some really specific questions about Mark that I want to get to with um, Larry. But Mark is a guy who's embedded with the concept of podcasting. So maybe he's an exception and maybe someone like Ira Glass, but Ira Glass is different too because Ira Glass cut his teeth or cut his glass <laughs> on uh, terrestrial radio and, and that terrestrial radio segues into podcast content. So I guess my point is when the, the, the more famous the person going into the podcast arena, the more, it's not an, the mountain grows, the mountain, the peak of the mountain, the summit of the mountain becomes less visible for independent creators like me. And this is not an attack on Larry or anyone. It, it, it shows to go ya, or it goes to show you that this space is new. This space is hard to scale. And we can get into that in terms of the advertising pieces of it all and where mon- how money is coming into the space. But it is really like the wild, wild west. And I like that aspect of it. But I do think there are decided advantages, disadvantages across the board. And I want to talk to Larry today about his perception of what the advantages are from his vantage. And he has a unique vantage. And one of the unique advantages, he is a celebrity. And again, lowercase c, if you must. It's it's not an attack. It's not a critique. It's It's a report. You know, David Letterman uh, recently signed a deal with Netflix, and and what Letterman's going to do with Netflix is uh, six hour long, uh, maybe even more than hour long deep dives. And the first thing I can think of was, well, that'll probably be podcast content too. So you have this huge library of content, and I'm trying to fixate on the podcast of it all today. Although, again, to be very clear, I love. I, we Murmur is a radio show done live and banked, and uh, we're going to look at that sausage making. The, the one end of the sausage is the last end, so to say, and it's when it becomes bankable and catalogable as a podcast. I, I'll, be, I'll admit I have a love-hate relationship with it, but I will say what 
sustains me through the hate. This sounds like a Tina Turner song coming on. What sustains me through the hate is it is so new. And that's the best part about it and the worst part about it. Because when the big boats come into the new harbor, it's not your harbor. It's not the pond or the harbor that you knew five minutes before the big ship came in. So there's a sanctity. There's an expansion piece. And I will say now, and I and I mean this in all, it's not melancholy, but I, I want to, it's just reporting. It seems like podcasting art, and I want to ask Larry if he thinks podcasting is an art. I want to ask every guest we have that is related to podcast content whether they think it's an art. So you can hear and then you can decide. But when, when uh, they come, when these big players come into the space, it, it does... It does make one realize that a podcast is either going to rise, you know, the monetary value of podcasts is rising or is or is is being cultivated on two levels. If there's a celebrity doing a podcast or if it's a high concept podcast, meaning over the next hour, we're going to take out your appendix live on appendix cast. You know, OK, that's a bad idea. But you know what I mean? So. What about those other pieces? What about those other kind of shows that are made by independent creators that are not buoyed by large companies like an NPR or like a Vice or like a Grantland or like a Ringer? And again, I mean this with all due respect to today's guest, Larry Wilmore, who is so much more. So he's so much Larry Wilmore than a podcaster. But I'm going to hold his feet to the fun fire that we've all been feeling. Those of us who have been doing podcasts, I've been doing it under a year. I love it. It's frustrating. It's agonizing, such as life, such as art. Today on Murmur, Larry Wilmore, now this. Hey, do you think homeless people ever have sex with each other? Probably, but I don't want to think about it. I know for a fact they do. I spend most of my day breaking up in-progress homeless sex. I bet it stinks. Oh, it stink, all right. So, we talking group stuff or just one-on-one? Oh, anything goes. Whatever you can fit under a tarp. Hey, you know what, guys? This right here, this rambling, boring conversation containing already made-before observations, this could be a podcast. Well, it's actually not a bad idea. Really? A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Well, that's it. We're anyone. Let's do a podcast from right here in the booth. Who's in? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Is it happening? Are we doing it now? But listen up, Cleveland. No more of your long stories, all right? Yeah, people aren't used to boring podcasts. All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. Ready? Okay, common question that everybody thinks about. How many fourth graders do you think you could take at once? What? I mean, obviously, if you had to fight against a million fourth graders, you'd lose. So, like, what's what's the real number? Like, what's the legitimate number of fourth graders that you could successfully take on? Let's say 100. That sounds reasonable. Oh, no way. 100 and you're dead. Why are we fighting them? Because they're idiots. Did they say something about my mother? What? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say yes. Oh, then a baker's dozen. What kind of weapons? Only what's available in the schoolyard. You could really mess up some kids with a chain from a swing. Just da 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 I tell you what I'd do. I'd back into a bathroom stall and just start kicking. Dead. 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 Keep coming. Dead. Give him a narrow entry point. Make him come in single file. Dead. Dead. 
Anyway, I, I guess I'm trying to say 800 fourth graders. Why are we talking about killing kids? People are gonna hate this. Peter, do something else quick. I, I'll, uh, uh, what if I play some kick-ass music? I was a fiend, fiend before fiend. I became a teen. I melted microphones instead of cones and ice cream music orientated. So when hip-hop was originated, fitted like pieces of puzzles, complicated. Cause I grabbed the mic and try to say yes, y'all. They try to take it and say that I'm too small. Cool, cause I don't get upset. I kick a hole in the speaker, pull a plug, then I jet. Back to the lab without a mic to grab. So then I add all the rhymes I had. One after the other one, then I make another one. To diss the opposite, then ask if the brother's done. I get a craving like I fiend for nicotine. But I don't need a cigarette, know what I mean? I'm raging, creeping up the stage and don't it sound amazing? Cause every rhyme is made in thought of Cause it's sort of an addiction Magnetized by the mixing Vocals, vocabulary, and verses just stuck in The mic is a drain, no Volcanoes erupting Rhymes overflowing, gradually growing Everything is written in the code so it can coincide My thoughts to God 48 tracks to slide The invincible microphone beam rock him Spread the word N-E-F-F-E-C-T A smooth operator operating correctly But back to the problem I gotta have it You can't solve it Silly rabbit The prescription is a hypertone That's heroin I feed for a microphone Like heroin Soon as the bass kicks I need a fix Give me a stage and a mic and a mix And I'll put you in a mood Or is it a state of unawareness Beware it's the reanimator A menace to a microphone A lethal weapon or assassinator if the people ain't stepping, you'll see a part of me that you never seen. When a fiendin' for a microphone, I'm the microphone I'm the mic- fiend. I'm the microphone fiend. The mic of the mic, the mic, the microphone fiend. The mic of the mic, the mic, the microphone fiend. The microphone fiend. The mic of the mic of the microphone, the mic of the mic of the mic of the microphone fiend. The microphone fiend. So before we welcome today's guest, a bit of bad news, actually. Um, I don't know if you guys heard, a Deep Blue just died. It was that supercomputer, the IBM computer that Gary Kasparov challenged to two uh, six-game chess matches, and uh, they split the matches. Um, this was 1996, but it, the Deep Blue just died, and the death had nothing to do with chess. The cause of death was um, Deep Blue was ac- asked to calculate how many people have podcasts now. And upon uh, engaging in this calculation, steam came out of its ears and it exploded. The death of Deep Blue is definitely a sad one, and I put it at the feet of today's guest. Uh, he is an Emmy-winning writer, producer, creator, author, host, senior black correspondent, and now he is black on the air. It's part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Uh, we are honored to talk some podcasting uh, voodoo with Mr. Larry Wilmore. Larry, welcome to Murmur Man. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. It's my pleasure. and I really apologize for... Uh... Yeah. You you destroyed. Do you? And this computer was huge. I don't know if you know those old school IBM computers. They're like a city block long. I know. Well, I I think Watson is the prime suspect. To be honest with you, I mean, who goes in jeopardy 
and flaunts all their computing ability like that. I mean, only somebody that is a true killer at heart. <laughs> some, some people are shameless. You know, I actually don't think it yeah. was. I, I don't think it was you, man. I can absolve you. I actually think it was David Letterman. I don't know if you saw today. Uh, Letterman's going to be back on Netflix. Uh, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it just broke today. He's going to do kind of a deep dive interview format, uh, mm-hmm. a short form series. And the my first thought because yeah, because my first thought because now I'm into the breach of podcasting was there goes the podcast yeah. neighborhood. You know, yet another big brain. All kidding. You know what? What the hell possessed you to get into the space, man? Um, I, I mean, you're you're an esta- <laughs> you're an established entity. I hope this isn't your day job now. What 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 inspired you to want to do a podcast? I I don't mind it if it was my day job, um, but uh, my main job is um, back kind of behind the scenes, creating, producing shows, and doing it for ABC right now. Just a uh, great home. I I kind of was here in the Disney family years ago at Touchstone where I first uh, developed the PJs with Eddie Murphy of back course. in the day. So it's kind of coming home, and I helped develop Blackish Course there. So it's something that I love to do being behind the scenes. But podcasting, I had no idea how much fun it is. I was looking for a way to keep my expression out there. I had, I had such a great audience from the nightly show, and uh, some of it were fans of mine who would come all the way from the daily show when I was singing about correspondent. And, you know, it was tough just engaging with those fans over Twitter or whatever. And uh, Bill Simmons approached me, of the Ringer Network, approached me about doing a podcast. I had been approached earlier, but I just wasn't, I didn't know exactly how I wanted to to keep in touch with the audience. And it turned out when, when he brought it up, I was I was pretty much ready for it. And it seemed like the right way to go. You can, for, you know, there's so many ways you can define a podcast for yourself. You can do it weekly, you can do it daily, you right, can right. You know, do a series like the way Grant World does. And um, I thought, well, I can design this for me, and it's a way where I can have interesting conversations with, you know, on different subjects with people who I like, and still weigh in on some of the topics <laughs> because there's so much every second. <laughs> I mean, it's not even, we're not even at the minute stage anymore. Like at first, it was like, man, every day. Then it was every hour, every second. Now yeah. you have to check Twitter and check the news and see what's going on because things change all the time. So uh, it's it's turning out to be a really fun way of keeping in touch with, with the audience that I have and hopefully growing a whole other type of audience. Well, you, you know, it's interesting, and you talk about the timing of it all, and I was thinking, as you were talking, I was thinking yeah. about another one of your um, uh, advanced degree classmates, John Oliver, who does a weekly show. And sure. the thing about podcasts yeah. or weekly editions is – and Bill Maher can handle this in a slightly different way because his his mm-hmm. his thing is a little different. We can talk about that, but it, it's hard yeah. to keep in. I'm actually uh, ta- I'm actually talking to Bill today. He's going to do my podcast this week. Well, it's amazing, and that's like must listen to. I think one of the things that always bugged me about podcasts mm-hmm. is this kind of evergreen or not evergreen thing. Yeah. Um, sure. And and again, exactly. you know, you can cherry pick this, and not to compare you men, and not to get into the into the rabbit hole of like a Bill okay. O'Reilly, but someone like O'Reilly or someone, they can drop in and say, "Hey, I'm just going to do a podcast today because something just broke." So, how what's your what's your ideal scenario of a cadence for a podcast? Because that's one of the allergies of doing it, you know, the evergreen or yeah, not yeah, evergreen, yeah. you know. Exactly. So I decided to split the difference. Right. Where I decided the interview portion will be more or less evergreen. And that way anyone can drop in at any point months later or whatever and listen to a fun conversation or interesting or whatever. 
and try to keep that as evergreen as you can, depending on the guest, of course. But the the first part, the first 10 or 15 minutes will be more immediate. So the people that are right. looking for a quicker fix right. or want to comment on something or well, how does, what does Larry think about this thing? But even that, as you, you know, are kind of hinting at, I think, too, is problematic because so many people get a chance to go after whatever's going on before you can get there. Yeah. You know? yeah. And even for me, I take my top-up show the day before just because of my schedule. I'm just so busy. And so even that 24-hour period can be problematic. You know? <laughs> exactly. So what I've tried, yes, it's true, yeah. especially as a comic. You're going, damn it, somebody got to that joke And believe me, I've talked, to, I've talked to Oliver about this. They faced that in the beginning, trying to define how they can do that. And what you start to do is just figure out not so much what is your joke on something, but really what is your take on something, and try to have a larger take that is uh, more encompassing and more of a, an opinion about a, a broader take on that thing. So rather than, because there's no way I can cover everything that happens, but I'll think, I'll go a step further and go, okay, that's my joke in it, but what's my take on this? Well, right. What is my real opinion on this right. from a broader sense? And that way it allows for kind of an evergreen that you can hear it another time and get something out of it. Like for instance, early on in one of my podcasts, I talked about the different ways that Trump lies. <laughs> but so it was tied to a specific lie, I think, that he made at the time. But then the broader thing was, these are the different types of lies that he does, which, which you know, kind of made me laugh. But you can listen to that anytime and right. enjoy that part of it. But the other part might be expired by then. Well, it's, it's interesting. Like, I can't even remember what it was now. <laughs> well, it's interesting, as you know, I'm speaking with Larry Wilmore, that's what makes you such a great player in the space or artist in the space and we could talk about if it's an art form and I want to get that question out a little mm-hmm. later but um, you know someone like Trump like it or not is going to be part of history but someone like LeVar Ball yeah, may not be and I mean that Correct. I mean that you know clinically no, I don't right. I, and it's, it's slippery yeah. slope the other, so I like the way you're handling that there's sort of an act one and act two and act three potentially uh, of, yeah. a, of a thing the other thing though and this is more the John Oliver of it and all I'm developing that yeah, I'm developing that too, you know, feeling yeah. that out, you know, what's the best way, because you're absolutely right. In fact, like a LeVar Ball thing, the expiration date on that is almost as I'm saying it. I hope, you know? I hope, so, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I'm a Lakers fan, yeah. so I really hope. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, but the broader point about relationship between parent and child, I think, can still be made in that, which can have a longer shelf life, you know. I think that's and a that great point. So I'm always searching for that point that, that can outlast the the uh, half-life of it, you know. Well, you know, it's tricky, and, and having you on our show, which is a radio show, then a podcast, that's kind of the thing I like to talk about with guests. What is the, not the sure. teaching moment, but, you know, I want people, like, in a year or two years to be able to, like, check in. What were they talking sure. about? You know, and, and your yeah. work is legion, and your work is extraordinary, but honestly, I, and... Oh, this, thank you. Well, this, is, well, this is tricky with me. You know, I'm a small fish in this pond. When I bring a guest on, I want to talk to them about something, mm-hmm. like, long last and publicists, not yours, mind you, who have been amazing, right. but they say no. You know, push the new thing, push the new thing, and it's a, it's yes. it's a slippery right. slope. You know, when you're not doing a daily. Yes, it is. You, know, you talk about John Oliver, and I love John, and and they all do a great job. And mm-hmm. but another thing that's tricky about that thing is the follow up. 
I want to talk to you about that yeah. because podcasts suffer from this, and this is why I hate. I actually think I hate podcasts, but the one thing that's really frustrating. <laughs> no, but man, you know, we talk about Evergreen. The one thing I kind of hate about them is where's the damn follow up? How do how is that felt for you? Now, so, what do you mean by the follow up? I what, mean, what do you mean by that? I follow up like, hey, uh, um, Larry, you know that point you made about uh, uh, you know, with Malcolm Gladwell. Um, that's mm-hmm. changed a bit. How do you? How would you feel about it now? So the point you made last week. How do you feel about it now that it's changed? So in the sense of the cultural right. question, not like me asking you a question or a listener. If sure. something you and Malcolm cover literally has pivoted or changed, do you feel sure. the itch to follow? Have you felt any itch to? It's very interesting. I hadn't quite considered it. One of the things that I'm trying to play with is the social media interaction as a means to do that. Right. Like, for instance, people will have further questions about things, and sometimes I'll answer them directly, but sometimes it can, uh, like, in other words, podcasts are kind of multi-platform in some ways, you know, where it can be the conversation, but it can also start a different conversation on a different platform, like Twitter or Facebook or that type right. of thing. Right. But, you know, to your point, I think you can also, like, one of the things I asked for in my last one was, you know, you know just as a fun thing, to ask for uh, different Trump names that you can match like a fruit with the dictator or a funny thing with the dictator, you know, like the mango Mussolini type And I got some hilarious, and I said, I'll put out Genghis Khan. Just play the Genghis Khan and see what you get. And there are some great ones like Genghis Khan, man, and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and I thought, man, that was so much fun that people were playing with that. And so I'll probably uh, mention some of those. So there's that completion of that, you know. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of a crude version of it. But, the, but yeah, but things, you know, it's so funny because my brain forgets so many things. Like, people will say, oh, man, I love that Neil deGrasse Tyson interview you did. You talked about the blah, blah, blah. And I go, oh, what did we say? I can't <laughs> right. remember. You know? right. I'm like, you know, I hope it's something. Because the way that my brain works, when I move on, I move on. You, you have know? to. Because I know. I, I'm, creating, I'm creating all the time and inventing. So, so I, I'm not lingering in that moment. So I have to revisit it myself and listen and go, oh, yeah, that was oh, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, okay, let's talk about that. So sometimes you need a, a different kind of set of eyes on that type of thing. And, well, is and it, some conversations yeah. I feel I want to set up for a further one. Like, yeah. that's the person I'm setting up for a further one. With Al Franken, we got caught short. So that definitely was a setup for another conversation. And, and and I'm trying to set that up in the podcast now, where where it's just the first talk with that person, but yep. we're setting it for for a further conversation. Turn with Larry. We'll, I like to call yeah. that current rather than topical too. I think know? that's right. I think um, that's right. Yeah. To, to make make create that uh, create that distinction. I was going to say something. Uh, well, you, you kind of want to outkick your coverage a little bit in a podcast. You don't want to be ahead of a thing. You don't want to be behind a thing. You don't want to mm-hmm. be on a thing. You want to be over a thing. Right. <laughs> Do you think it's an art form? I mean, the way you're speaking about it, I'm gonna. I would. That's what I'm hearing in the sense of like clearing your mind to create. Do you think podcasting is an art form, and do you think a podcast is a piece of art? No. I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't approach it like that, but I don't really have. I don't think about that when I'm doing anything, really. Mm. Um, but uh, I guess it could, I suppose, you know. Um, but, you know, the way that I approach it, it's funny because I never think of the person I'm talking to as an interview. Like, the point is for me not to interview that person. I look at it as a conversation. Yes, 
And yes. um yes. and I'm in conversation with them and but I'm also in conversation with the audience. So it feels like they're they're eavesdropping or in or privy to to something that we're all in it together rather than a, a formalization of questions that have maybe pat answers. And that's when you get rid of things like segment producers or pre interviews. Like I would never do a pre interview or that type of thing. Like what do you want to talk about? Like no, yeah, but I'm the interviewer. That's that's my job is to figure that out yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. and and talk about something, something that I might find interesting. The last thing I would want is like talking points that the person is going to make and that sort of thing. That's why politicians are tough, which you probably, I'm sure you know too, because all of them have talking points. I don't care <sighs> if it's somebody you like or somebody you don't like. It really doesn't matter. They're all problematic. Yeah. And it's very difficult to get them to, to talk honestly or directly. You know, they're always talking in circles and they're always circling around to get back to that talking point. You know? Well, you know, I'll, I'll make a different comparison because I like the challenge of a politician. The challenge that yeah. bores and annoys the hell out of me, and I don't mean to speak as if you're not here because I know you played a, you know, the cop number two on Facts of Life successfully for many years. Ah! Um, you know, actors are tough for me, and I'll tell you why. Um, they're publicists. Yeah, I agree with that too. They're very guarded, as you know, and yeah. I, th- I think I've come to think that the publicists are terrified what they're going to say um, versus, yes, you know, and when, when I get into that challenge with them, I'm like, what the hell are we arguing over? We're talking about a goddamn, we're talking about acting in a sense, know. you know, and I'm not trying to diminish it because that's my tradition as well. But when I talk to a politician, right. the fight is the thing. Is that overstating yes. it? You know, when you're trying to get no, at something with Al, when you're talking to Al Franken or someone you do like a Chris Christie or someone you don't agree with or agree with, that fight mm-hmm. is is the grist. But an actor thing, it's like a race yeah. to the bottom. Like, what are we talking about here? Just talk yeah. to me. I know. Uh, um, talk a little bit about talking to creative folk. I, I find it's all in the approach and which person you're talking to yeah. in in that arena. So. If you're talking to an actor who's there to promote a film and they're on a promotional tour and they're saying the same things over and over and you're just setting them up for the same anecdotes, that is not enjoyable at all. Um, but yeah. like I had Kumail Nanjiani on the show and his movie, The Big Tick, which I had seen already and I loved, there were so many issues that it raised yeah. and it became a conversation about the issues that it raised rather than anecdotes about making the film, you know. So it wasn't, uh, hey, did anything funny happen? You heard your line? Yeah. Like, no, well, let's talk about the issue of prearranged marriage, you know, and that right. sort of thing versus, and, and let's talk about the way love exists and these things. So it becomes a larger conversation. And now you get more of the insight into this artist and their perspective, which is a lot more satisfying than just a superficial anecdote, which really doesn't tell as much about the person, you know. So I always want to know, who, yeah. is, who is this person in front of me? And what is the thing that makes them special as an artist? And give the audience an insight into their eye, you know, um, because the insight into their eyes what we rarely get, you know. Yeah. And sometimes it's surprising. It's like, wow, well, they have a point of view about this that I had never anticipated based on what I just saw, you know. Yeah. yeah. But you, you, you cannot get that if you're looking at what the publishers, nothing against publishers, they're doing their jobs, of course. No, of but course. It's in, a very, it's in a very narrow arena, you know, so you want to get out of that. So, so the challenge is to work around that, and because I love, by the way, I love having an artistic conversation about point of view, about this and that. Some of it can be technical, like I love talking about writing and that sort of thing from a technical standpoint. 
Um, I've, I've taught some of those things also, so I'm very much interested in it. Same thing with acting. But I think for the audience, I think there's part of what they like to hear is they, an audience likes to hear how sausage is made, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. And I think they really are interested in, in an artist's point of view and, and what motivates them and their history and that sort of thing. So, I, I think you're right. I think yeah, it's so that, that it's that middle ground. I mean, you used the the uh, D word, which I think vexes a lot of guests sometimes. I, this is a discussion, not an interview. And and I, you yeah. know, so it segues a little bit into the next question because you know, it's, a lot of times people will I look actually at, use the C word to be honest I, with you. <laughs> <laughs> the other C word, the longer, C, the monosyllabic <laughs> C word. Right. Right? I use the shorter right, one. Right. Yeah. I use the shorter one a lot in this in this business, but anyway, um, the yeah. <laughs> what we were talking about. So this thing, you know, and it's it's about talking and listening, you know, and and in a discussion, uh-huh. it's hard. It's hard to be elegant and you know we're doing this over the phone so it's even harder you know and sometimes discussions people do talk too much and do talk over one another and i know when i play this people are going to say shut up and let larry talk about being a podcaster how do you handle that man give me a pro tip because i'm going to get that feedback i'm sure you've heard that a couple of times but i have shit i want to say too to you because i think you're a big brain and the bigger brain stuff you say the more i want to say things but i probably do a crappy job how do you handle that man give me a pro tip well i think the audience has to understand that a dialogue is between two people it's not a soliloquy you know soliloquy you know, I would set up that person and then they can talk for an hour. And I would say, thank you very much. It was nice having you here. Right, you know? right, <laughs> right. But we're not here to have that, you know. We're here to have a conversation, and the conversation is a back and forth. And sometimes what, sometimes what the audience doesn't realize is part of our job is sometimes we have to redirect. Because sometimes someone can be making the same points over and over and they don't even know it. Or yeah. they're getting redundant in a way which isn't serving isn't servicing the conversation because it has to keep moving forward. But that's an invisible thing that the audience isn't aware of, of what you're doing. That's exactly but, right. Yeah. I, you, I, know, you can, yeah, because I, you, you, you manage a path before the conversation starts. And then what I do is I manage a path that I want to go down, but I allow anything to happen, but at least I have that path to fall back on it every time. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to do is move the conversation towards a certain direction, or at least keep it moving forward. And if there's something that they say that I feel um, has a window of provocation to it or a door, then I'll open that door. So, but they don't even know it sometimes. I just say, yeah, because, you know, I didn't talk to my father for like five years. And then I went to the, wait, stop there. Why didn't you talk to your father for five years? You know, that's a window of provocation that I want to go down, which I hadn't planned on. It was no question that I had. Now that may start a whole conversation that I didn't plan on. But, you know, it's, that's an interruption that's necessary sometimes to draw something else out of the person that you normally wouldn't have drawn out. So sometimes it feels like an unnecessary interruption to the audience, but it actually is a necessary interruption from my point of view because what it does, it throws the guard down from the person speaking. They, they have to drop their guard mm. because they're not prepared to talk about that. So what you get is you get a more authentic uh, conversation from that person and a more direct talk, you know, from them. Yeah, you, 
is what we all want. Well, there's also, as as you know, because you've sat in that chair in multiple formats, we're speaking with Larry Wilmore, that there's a kind of, there's a trance part of it that the audience isn't privy to in the sense of you may need to break the guest out of a trance. You may need to break, as you say, a topic out of a trance. And, you know, I'll I'll give you a a bad example. I just did a talk with Christopher Guest, and this is not to litigate Chris. Chris can be a tough, I love Christopher, but, you know, his, his interviews are legion in the other way. They can be really tough. And there was a, there was because a, he plays characters a lot too, and many of those people they're freer when they're inside of a character rather than when them when they're themselves. You know exactly, and I think with c- comedians and yeah. you're, you're this is part of your uh, pedigree as well. You are a comedian, but sometimes you know you're not going to get lower than them in the sense of they, some in, interview subjects have such a low gear that if you try to outlow their low gear, <laughs> they're going to crush you. And Chris is one of those guys, yeah. you know. And I don't, I mean that I love it. I love talking to him, but I remember now by hey, low gear. What, what do you mean when you say low gear? What? When I say low, I don't mean like low, down, and dirty. I mean like literally first gear of a car. There's nothing lower than first gear. You have to go to neutral. Okay, got it. So, so you have to go to neutral with Chris, basically. So I guess my point is there was a moment in the conversation where literally nothing was coming back to me. So I told a little – like <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's like to playing tennis and no one's over the net. I, I tell you, man, what I, I took like a 30-second detour trying to relate it to something that happened to me in Italy. And on social media, I never heard the end of it. Shut up about your trip to Italy. No one gives a shit. It's like, oh man, I'm trying to pull this thing across the finish line, but yeah, it's kind of yeah. a, a no-win deal. But the audience, you know, you've talked about this a lot with TV. You said something really interesting about how connected we are to the audience's responses, and audiences can elevate mm-hmm. the success of something. What about that? Yeah. How do you filter, especially in the podcast world, where I think. Because they don't see a face, they feel like they, they probably can be even more brutal. Uh-huh. How are you going to litigate this? Like, what feedback is useful feedback? What, use, what feedback do you ping pong back and say, eh, it's, it's, it is what it is? Well, in this arena, it's a little different than in other arenas I've been in. I've always, when I, when I talk about, like, TV shows, I always say, well, what I've said in the past is when you create a television show, it belongs to you. But once it goes in the air, it belongs to the audience and you become the curator of it. And the audience reminds you of that all the time. So like when you try to jump the shark or whatever, they, hey, what the fuck are you doing with my TV show? You know, because <laughs> <laughs> they have taken ownership of it. Yeah, yeah. And your job, you become the curator of the thing that now belongs to them. It only belongs to you before they see it. That's when you have the most ownership of it. Yeah. Now this, form is a little different because as I said it's a conversation so it's something that they become privy to and they become a part of so it there's there's not an ownership issue to it you know yeah uh, more like we're all we're all in the barbershop talking or that type of thing so so it has a different there's a different parameter around it and because the way I'm presenting even the comedy I'm not presenting it as a produced form of comedy I'm doing it as a conversation so so there isn't the same critique I would get if I was doing the same exact thing on the nightly show. Mm. Where the nightly show, they take ownership of and say, sorry, Larry, this is our nightly show, and you screwed up, you screwed up when you did this. Because yeah. that's how they communicate in those things. And, and I can't argue with them. I mean, you know, what are you going to say, you know? Um, <laughs> and it, it's how... It's it's kind of just the way culture works sometimes, yeah, you know. There's not yeah. much you can do about it. It's like it's the and wrong. the audience is, is is 
by and large, the audience has really good instincts. They really do. You get people who are trolls, which is more of a, a function of the social media era that we live in. But audience, then uh, the audience for something, your fans, they they approach the thing with a fervent kind of love. You know that is. They, they're trying to pump as much oxygen into your thing as possible. Yeah, they yeah. want to make sure it doesn't get to the deathbed too soon, which is its <laughs> ultimate destination. So I always take it with a grain of salt. You know, I always, uh, I, I love it when people interact and they, and they find interesting things about it that I know that never occurred to me and all that stuff. I, I'm, I always like that type, kind of thing. Larry Wilmore here on Murmur. A couple more thoughts. You, you wrote a really, I thought, interesting, a great essay called Bring Back the Shetland Negro um, in your book. Oh, thanks. That's from my book. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. It's a great book, y'all. Uh, I'd rather Thank we you. got casinos and other black thoughts. Really amazing book. And you talked about fixing the ills of TV. And you said, and I'm paraphrasing yeah. badly, I apologize, but you talked about how TV is getting okay. bigger and thicker, but more narrow, which is a wonderful contradiction how you isolate it. What about yeah. pop? What about podcasting? Yeah. Talk about oxygen in a balloon, man. Does podcasting have a color? Sure. Uh, does podcasting have a color? And I mean that because it's not ocular. It's not an ocular experience, but it, obviously it's intellectual and it's mm-hmm. cultural. W- w- where was that in the, the 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 machinery of jumping in? Um, the diversity state of podcasting because I don't think we ta- we're talking about this enough. Enough, maybe because we're not taking podcasting seriously yet. But w- can you give me a sense or a thought or two about you know, the diversity of the hosts, the diversity of the thema, the diversity of the topics? You know, um, I, I think we c- we we litigate this thoroughly with movies and TV, and you know they've had longer <coughs> comets tales. But do you think podcasting has a diversity problem thus far? I don't know. I haven't. Uh, I have to say, I haven't investigated that much at all. You know, mm. um, I, th- I think it's been a, a more of a time issue. I don't know the podcast landscape that well to make a comment about that. One thing that I like about it is I, I'm a big radio fan, and I think radio is a great. Um, it was a great art form because once again, it creates there's an intimacy with radio that you don't get with television or film. Um, when you just hear a voice, um, and people get to paint pictures around that voice in a way that they don't when the picture's already painted for them. So it allows them to interact on a different level. Um, well, well, so they get to, they, they get to create in some ways along with you because they're painting pictures all the time. Um, and that's what's unique about radio. Um, I still sometimes listen to old time radio, like Jack Benny show. Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, I'll listen to Orson Welles' War of the Worlds is one of my favorites, and some of that stuff. My dad used to have those records when I was a kid, and I loved incredible, uh, incredible. a lot of what radio did. You know, so I think podcast is the is the natural heir to radio. You know, and so there's a there's it's and podcasting is a lot more democratic than radio because radio had guardians who allowed you to be on it or not. Podcasting, anybody can just start a podcast and. And depending on what it is, it can go viral and get attention or go away or whatever, you know. Um, and the culture is always changing and the things that we feel we should be listening to. But there's also, there's a lot of niche in podcasting, which I think is great, too. Like, I, I love listening to to the tech guy, you know. Uh, I think it's uh, Leo Laporte. I've listened to him for years before I even, there was a podcast because I listened to him on the radio, you know. But it's 
it's just one of those fun things, you know, yeah, listening yeah. to Leo, you know, and you feel like you know him after a while, you know. <laughs> were, you and, a, uh, were you a Prairie Home Companion guy at any point, or was that a little... Prairie Home Companion, my kids love Prairie Home Companion, you know, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Um, wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is fantastic, right. you know, all that NPR stuff is really good stuff. Terry Gross is, like, just legendary in my mind, her, just her voice She's and the she interviews people is... Her interview style is so great, you know. Her questions are are so she 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 doesn't use other people's interviews to do her research, you know, yeah, yeah. which a lot of people do sometimes, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of great stuff out there. It's fun sometimes just to scroll through and look what's out there and just choose something to listen to. When you talk to other people who like podcasts and the things they listen to. I've had a chance to get on the serial train and some of that stuff, but at some point, you know, I'll probably listen to some of that stuff. But uh, I love, I love all the different things that are out there and having that choice. And what's interesting is that podcasts are something you carry with you as opposed to you have to sit down and there's a formality to it. Yeah. So people do it while they're working out or while they're walking or that type of thing. So it's, it's a little more transportable, which puts it in a different category. Would you ever do a live podcast of, of uh, black on the air? Yeah, we're I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a couple of them coming up. They won't be. Uh, I'll do by live. I'll do it in front of an audience. Yeah, that's what uh, I mean. Like live with a, with people in the, in yeah. the house. Yeah. A couple of quickies, then we'll let you go about your day. It's funny you said something, and we've been talking or noodling around the concept of podcasting as an art form. We had Hen- I had Henry Rollins on the show, and he does a podcast sort of in the subterfuge of his life. He says, "Oh, I'll do one today." You know, he mm-hmm. it's kind of an ad ad vocation. Mm-hmm. I asked him if yeah. if podcasting was an art form. He said unequivocally yes. And then he talked a little bit about mic technique, mm-hmm. which I thought speaks to a little bit of, oh, okay. of your idea of the Jack Benny of it all or the Steve Allen or the yeah. whomever or the Orson Welles of it all. And he said something yeah. funny and I promise I wasn't trying to load this up. It just was a fascinating uh, comment. He said he listens to the old Bill Cosby records because he thinks the way Bill mm-hmm. handled the microphone was – that's why he calls it an art form, actually. He actually said it very kind of yeah. apologetically. What about mm-hmm. that – I mean, I, th- I just want to get your take on that, but also the use of the mic. Is that – a kind of fun yeah. because you are a performer you have trained as a performer you, and an actor and you have acted all jokes aside has that been mm-hmm. cool because it's cool for me I dig talking and physically talking into a microphone do you think that's part and parcel I, of this for you this fun for you sure and it's broadcasting is what it is you know and that's what's great about broadcasting you know whether it was radio or ham radio or whatever you know CB radio even people like to broadcasting to each other in the 70s. That was a big craze. But, uh, yeah, it's funny that Cosby was one of the few comics that really used a microphone in that kind of active way and prior kind of copied his his style a bit when he started becoming into his own, the, the way that Cosby used the microphone. Uh, it's funny that not a lot of people pick that out about Cosby. He, was not, he didn't just tell stories. He really... He kind of created radio on stage in his early stand-up. And in fact, his albums played so well because you were able to use your imagination. He was talking about his brother Russell and, you know, the, the chicken heart and some of those classic routines. You know? mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it's very... Uh, that, yeah, to do that in stand-up was kind of different, you know, at the time. Um, but yeah, you know, that that's part of what I... Feel is the intimacy of the intimacy of it, you know, and using it in that way. That's what Terry Gross, like her her voice, 
is very uh, interesting uh, on the microphone and that type of thing, you know. Um, you have an you, you have an amazing voice. I, I find just oh, uh, thank you. See, gonna... Nobody likes their own voice. I always think, no, I know. Like sometimes, like when I would watch the nightly show, I go, "Man, my voice sounds horrible." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Look at my big head." How did I get a show? Last question, and this is a, you know a conversation for a different day because sure. I I actually find you to be. You know, I, I find on some level the camera doesn't lie. One thing the camera I don't f- think lies about mm-hmm. is someone who's a pretty decent guy. I think you're a really super nice guy uh, from afar oh, and, and chatting with you. And your manner has been one of grace. And even when you feel, you know, you may have said something, you're always a really thoughtful interlocutor and you don't run from that. stuff. And I just think you're a super cool man. Is it? What is the I thing? Do. You know, I, I'm. I guess I'm wrestling with this, so I'm. I'm going to vomit it on you a little bit. Can you be a nice guy okay. and keep matriculating into mm-hmm. in this art form? Sorry to sabotage this last moment with a little sure. personal exorcism. I wrestle with this. Um, you can you continue to be like? What's that balance for you? Um, you know, I, I was reading uh, something John Stewart had said to you about advice. You know about being the host, just being you. And I think what's so cool about your work is you are you, to the extent that I know you. Can, can you survive as yeah. you if you are a nice guy, indeed? Well, I, I, I find the opposite to be more problematic. I think, how would you expect to survive if you weren't your authentic self? Like, I mean, it would be the worst way to survive possible. I mean, all you have is yourself to fall back on and rely on and whoever that is. And if you're a complete asshole, that's who you are. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. you're not, why try to be that? You can only be who you are, you know? And if you're going to to last in the business and be around a long time, it's, you know, be your authentic self, and that's what the audience will like. And the more particular and specific you are, ironically, the more universal that is as well. It's the same thing with stories, you know? Um, the more people can relate to you, the more specific you are about who you are. Um, the more you cater to something and try to be something else, the less relatable you are and the less interesting you are. I think you just have yeah. to be yourself, whatever that encompasses. And some people, their personalities are just very problematic, but that's who they are. Like Mark Maron is like that, you know. He has a very problematic personality, and he knows that. He, he can be ornery, he can be jealous, he can be <laughs> petty, <laughs> all those things, but he's also... He's curious and he's interesting and he's funny. He's, all those qualities make up him. That's who he is, you know. And uh, that's what audiences ultimately show up for. So, you know? so why oh, for Mark? Why haven't the 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 pejorative parts, let's say, held him back? And I, and again, I, I don't mean to sound like because I know, he's talented. Yeah. Because Mark is talented, you know. Yeah. But he hasn't. He may have issues with his success. He may think, how come I didn't? How come I'm not Seinfeld? I don't know how right. he thinks about it. You right. Know? right. But, uh, right, how come he didn't have a huge sitcom or whatever? Maybe it was those parts, you know, who knows? Right. But not everybody can have a sitcom. Like, I knew early on, I was not a concert comedian. I wasn't Eddie Murphy. I wasn't the type of person who was going to do Madison Square Garden. I had a different style, so I didn't try to be that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not everybody can be the same thing, you know. So you were, I don't you were, mind being in a different category, though. It doesn't bug me at all. Yeah, there's no one in your category, and I and I I, I can't think of a more 
worthy daily uh, movement. I mean, honestly, man, I, I'm not just saying this because I think your work is well, great. And I'm, I'm not. I didn't. I've never tried to compare you. I just think when when I took took this half second in closing to think, what the who the hell is doing what Larry Wilmore does, and it's no one. And um, you know, it's, well, what's interesting is at the beginning of a career like this, it's very difficult because. Like one of the reasons I started writing and producing is because I realized I could never be hired for most of the things I want to do because I don't fit into most categories. Right, right. So I had to learn how to do these things so I could hire myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, yeah. my strategy—that was my long-term strategy. That's what it turned out. That's what turned out to happen. You know, like on the PJs, I said, I had, if I had not created the show, I never would have been hired on it. You know, I used to joke about that all the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, but that's how it goes. Sometimes you know you can't. You know, many times you're fighting invisibility more than anything else. When know? I saw you play yeah. Policeman Number Two on Facts of Life, I knew you weren't long for that. I yeah. was like, this guy's not. You right. know, the the my favorite episode and the is Bettables, baby. <laughs> my favorite yeah. episode is when Tootie falls in love. I forget. I think it's Jermaine Jackson. Do you remember that episode? And that's hilarious. She, I think we should talk about Tootie and her storylines for our next. Yeah, let's not ruin it. And you know that Tootie, Kim Fields, we love you. Hey, man, you are the real deal. Maybe oh, the next. Maybe the next time we do, we thank can you, do it in nice. person. It was my honor talk talking to you. I appreciate it. We're pulling for you, man. Thank you so much for being with us here. Thank you. Appreciate that, Larry. Be well, my, my friend. Pleasure. Take care. He does seem like, I think I hung up on him. <laughs> I, I, that's how nice a guy is. He seems like such a nice guy. And I say that with that hesitation, I usually hesitate because I usually don't know. And I don't know Larry, but am I lying? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it'd be cool to do it in person with Larry one of these days. Uh, it, it was a pleasure being with him. And it's always a pleasure being with you. We want to thank Larry Wilmore for being with us here on Murmur. Murmurradio.com. WHUPFM.org live every Friday and then Evergreen, yes, in podcast form. <laughs> uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Facebook is murmurradio.com. We're here every week, but you can listen to us anytime. Take a drive, get your mind off of things. See you soon. <laughs>